You always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone right here on AHLReport.com. Thanks so much for being here with us today, uh, the first episode of August, believe it or not. I am your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm happy to be joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host, the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief across all of our websites, and that would be Rick Stevens. How are you today, sir? Uh, doing pretty well. Um, I've been watching hockey. Have you now? Uh-huh. And that makes us all feel pretty good. <laughs> It's a little weird to be watching hockey in August, oh, yeah. I have to say. Although I, I did really enjoy, you know, Mondays are usually quite a chore to get through. But when you've got hockey on your television from noon until midnight on a mm -hmm. Monday, that's a that's a pretty decent that's way to start day. the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was a pretty great way to start the week. Uh, can't believe hockey is back. Um, pretty interesting day today uh, here at, my home base here in eastern Pennsylvania just uh, just literally weathered the storm getting through Hurricane Isaias, uh, who blew through here like nobody's business. Uh, we've had a, at least five inches of rain here and tremendous winds. But thankfully, um, no damage here. Surrounding area pretty flooded. And uh, as far as I can tell, Philadelphia and New Jersey are, are, are pretty in pretty bad shape. But well, glad to hear you're okay and uh, everybody in your area and hopefully uh, everyone stays safe as uh, the hurricane or tropical storm moves its way up the East Coast. That's right. And I did say, I, you know, the weather folks are very much a stickler about getting the name pronunciation of this right, Isaias. And uh, I'm sure our special guest today will also appreciate that. I noticed he tweeted something uh, about the folks handling the NHL media availabilities perhaps needing a pronunciation guide for <laughs> uh, media members as well. Uh, and uh, that would be one Mr. Uh, Dan Robertson, uh, for, ah. who's going to be joining us in the first segment today. Yes, that's right. Uh, Canadians play-by-play uh, -play broadcaster at TSN 690. So um, he'll be joining us to talk about the Habs. But before that, uh, in the first segment, we are going to Look in on the Flyers and uh, see what they've been doing. Uh, they've managed to get through uh, their first round robin experience on Sunday, and they've got another. They've actually got some time off uh, today, um, but we'll talk about how the Flyers have been performing as well as the Canadians. Uh, the Canadians are have. Uh, already played two games of their qualifying round series against Pittsburgh. We'll give our our uh, discussion about that, and then we'll 
um, bring Dan in to talk about the Habs and uh, some some interesting things that he's got to say about the series and, and how things are going there in the bubble. Uh, then in the second segment, we go around the AHL and we're going to talk about some announcements, some pretty important announcements that the AHL have made, uh, both regarding next season. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about that, touch on some uh, excellence awards that the AHL has announced and and want to also talk a little bit about something that's come up this week at the NHL level that really kind of reinforces why uh, we talk so much about the importance of the AHL and even sometimes the ECHL uh, and the the, the development of players. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit in the second segment. Finally, then in the third segment, we go beyond the AHL, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the European leagues. There's some some roster news as far as some, some names that are heading over to Europe, as well as some news coming out of the CHL uh, that we wanted to touch on and 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 bring to your attention as well. So we've got lots of great coverage for you today. Wow. Yeah. That's great. It is. We've been waiting for this. We have. Although we, and, and you know, fans have been waiting for it. Um, we appreciate the fact that you stuck with us all throughout the NHL oh, yeah. pause. Uh, as you know, if you've been here, we didn't take a week off. Uh, the, our podcasts uh, were still here full, chock full of content each and every week, uh, even throughout the pause. But now that we have some actual hockey happening, um, there's lots to talk about. Now, and and some of you have stuck through us every week. You've listened to every episode uh, other ones have taken some time off, and that's understandable. There's other things happening uh, during the pause. If that's been the case, um, you can go. It's it's easy to go back and and uh, quickly catch up with some of our uh, back episodes of the press zone, and uh, that'll get you that that'll fill you in and and uh, get you ready for hockey again. Absolutely. So we're happy that you're here. Uh, this is our fourth season. If you're a newer listener, uh, we're just a few episodes into our fourth season, and we're so glad to have you here. And uh, let's get right down to it. We're going to kick things off in our first segment uh, with a trip to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they had their first round-robin game on Sunday afternoon where they played against the Boston Bruins. So that was, uh, you know, at the beginning of the round robin, Boston was in the number one seed position. The Flyers were in that fourth position. Um, remembering, however, these round robin games, yes, they're technically glorified exhibition games, but there is there is an actual um, benefit to winning these games, aside from the confidence building and so forth. But uh the points gathered during the round robin for those four teams will affect their seeding going into the first round of the playoffs. So um, with that being said, the Flyers looked pretty darn good against Boston on Sunday. Um, Yaroslav Halak between the pipes for Boston. Uh, Tuka Rask came down with an illness uh, the day or so before the game. Um, and so had to be kept out due to precautionary measures, of course, needed to wait until a COVID test came back. Uh, he did, of course, test negative, but that meant for the Flyers uh, round one, um, or game one, I should say, in the round robin, uh, they saw Yaroslav Halak, who Rick, um, when Halak played with Montreal, uh, has never really had much success against Philadelphia, and uh, that continued to be the case on Sunday. <laughs> Halak didn't look good at all, um, and um, 
Uh, well, let's let's just say that the Bruins uh, didn't look particularly good, and, no. and uh, nobody's uh, shedding any tears about that. Uh, these uh, that that round robin game in particular, uh, it it didn't have the feel of a playoff game or a Mm-mm. playoff intensity. Um, and it was Tyler Pitlick that said after uh, Monday's game that. Uh, to him, it was kind of somewhere in between a playoff game and a regular season game. Right. Um, I, I might have said between an exhibition game and a regular season game. Um, there there has been a difference between the round robin and the qualifying uh, games in the intensity department. Um, the Bruins just didn't seem to have it at all. And um, But as you said, uh, those teams, the, the round robin teams, have time. Uh, before uh, the games get really, really meaningful. Absolutely. Now, uh, the Flyers took full advantage uh, and came out on top on that in, in that game, 4-1. Uh, to one. But from an, a really unexpected standpoint, of course, if you want, um, I should mention briefly, if you want a full game recap of including video highlights, statistics, uh, my game report, so on and so forth, uh, be sure you head over to ahlreport.com uh, and, and click on the link to the full game recap that's there. But what's interesting is that the Flyers won this game sort of in an unexpected way. They they had uh, production from guys who most likely weren't expected to be the first ones to produce in the round robin. And on the other hand, uh, your top six, or you, your top six were, I don't want to say invisible, but not offensive. Um, so the Giroux, the Voracek's, the JVR's, um, the Konechny's, kind of a big goose egg from them. Uh, in fact, uh, afterwards, Alain Vigneault uh, mentioned that, you know, Van Riemsdyk looked great in camp. Uh, but from what he's seen from him in the first two games in the bubble, he wants more out of him. So who was producing? Well, Believe it or not, it was guys like Nate Thompson. It was guys like Scott Lawton. Um, it was guys like defenseman Philippe Myers, believe it or not. Um, so it's a great indication for the Flyers that their depth were the first ones to step up to the plate. Um, if they can continue playing in that fashion and get the top six guys going as well, well... Things could get pretty sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, they could, and um, you know, it was uh, we, it was kind of a nice way for the Flyers to um, uh, to enter the postseason. And um, you know, you sometimes forget that for Carter Hart, this was his uh, very f- first uh, postseason NHL game. Mm-hmm. And I thought at times he, you know, he, he lost track of rebounds and, and those kinds of things, but he, he looked really good. He was, he made some very strong saves. Uh, it, it was just, uh, I think uh, a matter of nerves. Now that's under his belt. He's got some confidence. He got, uh, the praise of, of his teammates and his coach. Um, and, um, and, and now he's, he's ready. Uh, you look at some some um, stats put out by uh, Charting Hockey uh, that do uh, some great work with respect to analytics and uh, uh, just uh, breezing through them. The uh, goals saved above uh, expectation for goaltenders. Top of the list is Carey Price, and we'll, we'll get to that. Second, Carter Hart. 
Um, at the bottom of the list, the opposite end, you have Yaroslav Halak, uh, Corey Crawford, Mike Smith. Mike Smith has is, is not looked uh, particularly good. When you look at the uh, best and worst uh, line combinations, at the very top, you have the Kotkaniemi line, um, and uh, they've looked good in second. You have uh, Giroud, uh, Couturier, Voracek. When you look at defensive pairs, uh, near the top, you have uh, uh, Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers. Um, they, I, I thought those two uh, looked really, really good um, uh, in, uh, in the game against Boston. They absolutely did. In, in fact, uh, Phil Myers, Philippe Myers, <laughs> you know, depending on where you're, where you're, uh talking about him from uh really was a bit of a difference maker um and my goodness for for a young man who spent um you know started the season down with the phantoms we remember uh when when he started in lehigh valley i think had pretty high hopes he was going to start with the flyers but but was sent down to lehigh valley um we spoke to him uh within the first couple of games of the season uh in the ahl and and he uh, was you could tell was struggling with accepting the fact that he hadn't uh, that he wasn't up in the NHL, but still had a very good outlook. Well, it didn't take long for him to uh, then go back to Philadelphia, and he's just been doing nothing but improving ever since. Um, the the Flyers were up two to nothing, uh, and the only goal that the Bruins were able to score was a uh, a wraparound by Chris Wagner that happened to to bank off of Robert Hag's skate. So not a ton. This, this wasn't necessarily a Carter Hart mistake that this, that this goal got through. Um, but it did cut the Flyers lead to two to one and suddenly it's okay. Well, this isn't, this is a different game now. Well, just, um, I mean, seconds, seconds later, I want to say it was 12 seconds later. It, I, I believe it missed the NHL postseason record by just three seconds. Uh, Phil Myers takes the puck, takes it down the ice, and just absolutely rips a, a laser shot top shelf over Yaroslav Halak. And just like that, it's three to one. The Flyers have restored their two goal lead uh, and it doesn't take long for them to, uh, to, to finish that out. So Philippe Myers um, really, really doing some great things in the NHL. And it's great to see uh, guys like him, guys like Nate Thompson, Nate Thompson talking about um, Carter Hart said, uh, you know, talks so much about how poised he is. You forget how young he is. Uh, when you when he puts the mask on, you don't know how old he is. And he said, um, he actually, he's so calm and poised and net. You don't worry about him back there. He reminds me a lot of a, of a, of a goaltender I used to play with in Montreal. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the two of them a little later in the show, of course. But um, so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing from, from the Flyers. The one thing, Rick, in that game... Uh, Michael Roffel went out with an injury, uh, with a lower body injury, leg injury. Uh, Alain Vigneault did say yesterday that he's going to be out, quote, for a little bit. So we don't know exactly how long that's going to be. He couldn't get into more detail because of the NHL's um, COVID-19 announcement regulations. So that does mean that someone significant um, is going to draw into the lineup on Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be Joel Farabee. Um, Elaine Vigneault confirmed that uh, he would play uh, on Thursday, and and he had a very good training camp. 
Uh, so that's uh, that's not a surprise, and, and he'll slot into the lineup. Uh, the question is going to be whether that will be the only change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, uh, we talked about uh, the defense that, that looked good. Uh, when you look at the uh, charting hockey numbers uh, on the bottom end of uh, their uh, rankings, uh, you see the Robert Hag, Justin Braun pairing, and uh, they there's been some questions about them, and and part of the question is, um, you know, what what does um, Shane Gostisbehere have to do to get in the lineup, and and will this be a chance to to give that third pairing a, a little bit of a different look? That's true. And and Gostaspare acknowledged, um, even after that exhibition game, he acknowledged, he said, look, I know I might not be in the starting lineup for game one. Uh, he said, I know I've had a lot of work to do in my game. I understand that Hag is doing, is doing well, too. And he said, I'm going to, if I'm in the lineup, I'm going to play my butt off. If I'm not in the lineup, I'm going to be a good team guy. I'm going to be a cheerleader for these guys, and it's all good either way. Well, I think, um, you know, Vigneault has said that he plans to use this this round-robin series to get different looks at different uh, parts of the roster. So, yes, Joel Farabee needs to come in uh, out of necessity because of an injury, but uh, Vigneault has also has also inferred that he may make other tweaks to the lineup as well um, based on going back and watching the game again, uh, probably today when they had the day off. Um, so we'll see what, what they practice with tomorrow. Um, it'll be interesting, but very, very likely uh, that Gostaspera could maybe get a look at some point this week. Um, moving over to the Canadians. Canadians now two games into their qualifier round series with Pittsburgh. And I'm sure, I mean, how many flower, how many, how, how many of our Flyers listeners out there raise your hand if you're I don't know, rooting for the, are you able to root for the Habs because they are playing Pittsburgh? I, I don't know. It's, or just avoiding. Or just avoid, <laughs> yes, it's just avoiding the series altogether. In any event, um, unexpectedly, uh, you know, Saturday, game one, there were some upsets all across the board and, and the Canadians were one of them beating Pittsburgh in game one, but Pittsburgh um, kind of looked like they had about enough of that. Uh, last night it was a chippy game uh, lots of physicality Brendan Gallagher wasn't helping calm that down at all um, never ending rotation into the penalty box for the Canadians uh, and not always I, I'm not always smart penalties there's there's too many men on the ice uh, penalties a lot of stick penalties um, and of course uh, the Penguins did manage to tie the series uh, by by defeating the Canadians last night. So, Rick, what were what for you? Um, you know, in the first game, it was all about Kakinemi and Suzuki making a big splash in Game One. Game Two, yes, Kakinemi scored. Um, it's it was probably the the ugliest, flukiest goal he could have scored, but he did score a goal. What 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 are you seeing from the young prospects um, playing in last night's game, and 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 where the big weaknesses were really exposed last night overall? 
Well, there is, uh, in this series, there is, uh, in both games, there is only one storyline. And that's what Carey Price has been able to do against uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it's the thing that that the Penguins feared and and they fought against when uh, the league wanted to make these Mm -hmm. qualifying rounds best of threes. And they said, no, uh, Carey Price, we can't, (laughs) we're not going to give him that advantage. And... um, you know, game one, uh, six minutes in, the shots were 10-1 for Pittsburgh. They were absolutely dominating. Uh, they finished the first period. Um, uh, shots were 18-6. to six. The, the shot attempts were 29-12. And the Canadians led 1-0. Um, that's, that's, that's the value of Carey Price. That's right. Um, and again, last night, the only way that game was close at all was Carey Price. Uh, he's giving um, his team an opportunity to uh, to win, um, and uh, it it hasn't been the the uh, usual suspects to uh, the pl- the players uh, that you would expect to um, take advantage of what Carey Price has, has provided. It has been, as you said, uh, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi uh, has two goals. He's tied with Sidney Crosby. Believe it or not. A goal in each game. Uh, Nick Suzuki scored in the first game. Uh, had in the first game as well had a, um, a monumental uh, penalty kill, um, and uh, it's it's uh, and and has found a way to contribute. Uh, that second line has been uh, dominated for the most part. Uh, the, the line that Suzuki is five on five um, has uh, has centered. Um, but that's not all on, on, um, um, uh, Nick Suzuki is carrying some baggage on his left side of a player who's, uh, supposed to, uh, elevate his game during the playoffs, but hasn't. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I think that, uh, Claude Julian has got to get a handle on this. He has to contribute. He has to, um, uh, address the discipline issue, address the, the bench miners, uh, and address, uh, the power play scheme that, uh, just hasn't found a way to, um, contribute and, and, um, be an equalizer in the series. Absolutely. Um, and we right now are actually going to bring in a, a very special guest to dive a little deeper into this topic of the Canadians and their qualifying round and, and how they performed last night and where they go from here. So I'm happy to welcome Dan Robertson to the show today. He is the voice of the Canadians on TSN 690 in Montreal. And uh, we're so happy to have you on for your debut appearance here at the Press Zone, Dan. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I guess let's first start with, uh, we're fresh off of game two last night. Uh, certainly didn't go the way uh, perhaps Claude Julien and the rest of the Canadians would have liked to have seen it go. Um, but a big talking point in both game one and game two were uh, some of the younger prospects, Kakinemi in particular in both games, but Suzuki also uh, kind of making a splash in game one. Can you give us just your thoughts in general on what broke down last night uh, and and kind of along with that, how you see the, the younger players on the team stepping up or, or, or struggling, if that's the case? Well, as far as last night goes, uh, 
I mean, there's been a lot of talk about it in Montreal, obviously, after every game, win or lose, there's talk. Uh, I think we have to give the Penguins some credit. I thought that they tightened up defensively and they allowed a lot fewer quality scoring chances than they did in game one. Uh, just speaking with Claude Julien today and, and uh, Max Domi and Jonathan Drouin, they all said that they need to be a little hungrier. And Claude, he was specifically talking about the power play, but he was talking about five on five uh, as well in a broader picture when he said right now it's about will and determination uh, and I, I think he probably wasn't that pleased uh, with the overall effort of a lot of the guys uh, certainly not Carey Price because he's been vintage Carey Price but he said our best players basically haven't been good enough and we've seen that I mean the first line Dano, Tatar and Gallagher they've been uh, consistent all year and, and beyond this past season and they haven't produced anything yet Thomas Tatar has been really quiet he was their leading scorer this year so I expect that to change and as far as the the, the two kids go if you want to call them that Suzuki and Kakanyemi they're both 20 I think Nick's going to be 21 next Tuesday or something like that which makes me feel old because you combine their ages <laughs> and they're still nine years younger than I am but uh, that's okay uh, the, uh, to me it's almost a, a, a neater story that Kakanyemi has done well. And I mean, mm -hmm. his two goals, he went to the net, right? He used his big body. and But even over and above that, I mean, this is a kid who did not finish the season with the team. He finished in Laval, as we all know, at a point-per-game clip, and then he had the spleen injury. So when we found out what was going to happen and what format this whole thing would take, I think a lot of us wondered where and if he would fit in and he has so mm -hmm. I think that's great win or lose I think that's really going to be good for him Suzuki especially in game one he was brilliant I mean he, he scored a goal that showed his composure he set up the goal himself by making a good defensive play he played uh, the forward on a five on three disadvantage uh, partially because Dano was in the box as well but Claude really likes him he always says you have to tell Nick Suzuki something once and that's it. And uh, he's he plays a lot more mature than his age, and, and he has he has a bright future, but he's really good right now. So uh, I think regardless of what happens in this series, those are a couple of things, uh, a couple of players that Canadians can really look at and say uh, they took a step forward in this series. Dan, you mentioned uh, that in today's presser, Claude Julien talked about players who have to be better. And I want to ask you about one of those players, but in the lead up to my question, let me first compliment you that you often ask the right question that gets to the heart of that, or at least the question that I want asked. And uh, going back to uh, training camp, uh, when uh, Xavier Ouellette was expressing confusion and doubt about his situation and whether he had the coronavirus or he didn't, you asked that question, uh, and you asked him if he had uh, taken this a serology test and what the results were, and and that's of course the antibody test that tells you whether the coronavirus was there. It was the perfect question at the perfect time. Uh, well, that said yes, uh, so the result and the result was positive, and it cleared up any confusion. Today, I thought you did something similar, um, and uh, kind of in the same vein. Um, prior to the start of the series, uh, Jonathan Duran was being billed as a player, uh, who, who could raise his, his level of play in the postseason. Yeah. He hasn't done that. Um, so you reminded him, uh, about something, uh, that he had said earlier in the, in the year about getting more involved physically in order to raise that level of engagement. Um, what, what did you think of his, his answer to that? 
Well, I'm going to go back first to the Willette thing, Rick, and I, I have to be transparent. I was, <laughs> I was sitting close to Eric Engels. Eric had asked his questions. He asked his allotment. Then halfway, uh, we kept going in the conference, and he looks at me and he says, "Will you ask if they had a, a test and if there were any antibodies?" So it was Eric Engels who. Actually All right. Well, we'll give you both yeah. credit then. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, you know what? I thought, why didn't I think of that? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Today, uh, listen. I asked that question. I feel pretty comfortable with Jonathan because. I've known him since he was 16 and uh, but I also I kind of wanted to ask him in a you know why he's struggling in I don't want to say a positive way but that what he was doing in the early season uh, was successful for him and that's how he was doing it I thought he was really getting involved so I mean, he, he said, I'm doing that now. I'm getting my nose dirty. I can't remember the exact words. And I thought, yeah, mm, you're not. Not you're quite. Not. <laughs> no. Um, so whether he believes that or not, I don't know. But to his credit, at the end, he did say, I have to be better. He said, you know, my this, the puck's jumping off my blade and that sort of thing. It's just to me, there was a, a few times where I thought he's not paying the price, where he's not getting the puck out because maybe he doesn't want to get hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to be too heavy on it, but I that's what I think is happening. So... Um, listen, he's under, he was under a ton of pressure since the day he came here and he knew that would be the situation. And he talked about embracing it. Uh, it's just, it's disappointing and it's disappointing for him because he had such a great start to the season, uh, before he got hurt in Washington in mid November. Can he turn it around? Yeah. Uh, maybe if he gets a break early on in game three or something and scores a goal or makes a good offensive play that can change things for him. But you know what, if, they lose a series, and if he keeps playing this way, uh, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered for Drew. He's not young anymore; he's 25 years old. That's right. I think he's played over 300 games. I'm pretty sure. So uh, I, I want him to do really well. I really like him, but uh, it's it's been disappointing to this point in his career. I think for the most part. Going back to today's presser with Julian, he he of course he's. When asked, playing uh, his cards pretty close to to the chest as far as what he's going to do with the lineup tomorrow, uh, and even in last night's post game availability, he you know wasn't giving much there um, and said you know well, I have a day to figure it out. Um, as far as the fourth line goes, um, basically in terms of Wheel and Weiss, do you see? an opportunity for perhaps him to give either Ryan Paling or Jake Evans a look um, with with the struggles that the fourth line is having. Do you think this is an opportunity for him to say, let's see what one of the kids can do? Maybe. I, I don't think Paling, to be honest with you. I think Evans before him because uh, to me, Paling looked in over his head a little bit too, too many times this year where it would take him too long to make up his mind. He'd get a pass on the wing and hesitate. He'd turn around, make a pass, and then he'd get run over. And not, not every time, but I just think Evans, I mean, listen, prospect-wise, I, I think Paling is a little higher on the ladder than uh, Evans is, but Evans right now is a little more sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Claude puts a lot of, of value in that. And listen, we were talking about Drew. I, I don't know if he might find himself, uh, you know, maybe on the left wing on the fourth line with, with Evans and wheel or Evans and Weiss, uh, you know, Weiss hasn't done much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and look, it's, it's the kind of team you don't expect a whole lot of offense out of the fourth line, but it's the kind of team that they have to, uh, have contributions, at least even possession wise from, from all four lines. So I, I think the onus is on Claude to do something. I thought he'd make some moves uh, last night. He didn't. 
but as you said, he kind of hinted towards that, uh, uh, that he's going to have to make a change or two in game number three because it just wasn't there. But yeah, I know he likes Evans and, and I think he should because he did some good things this year. So there's another member of that fourth line or the, the, the name we're not supposed to, the, uh, the line we're not supposed to call the fourth line. And that's, um, <laughs> that's Max Domi. And if you go to social media, there's been a whole lot of chatter about uh, Max Domi and the role that he's uh, playing or not playing in the series. Uh, and that's, you know, understandable, given that, as you said, uh, Jonathan Duran's been um, underperforming a bit. And, and, you know, it's been suggested, should should those two be swapped? Um, to my eyes, uh, you know, Max Domi is an impact player, but uh, but he doesn't look the same out there. And and certainly part of that is is due to his ice time and his line mates. Uh, but he doesn't seem to be operating at that level. Is is that an effect of missing so much time at training camp, or or you know, am I completely out to lunch? And it's just it's just his his uh, circumstances. It's just where he is in the lineup. No, I don't think you're out to lunch. I think his circumstances has have something to do with it. I am sure he's frustrated. Uh, as we know, his contract is up this year. He's mm-hmm. going to be a restricted free agent and. I don't care who you are. That weighs in your mind. He didn't have a good season. Yeah. And uh, listen, what I thought was going to happen uh, would be since he came into camp late because he's type one diabetic and he wasn't sure how safe things would be. So uh, I thought he would start with wheel and we, uh, when we saw him out there with them and then eventually move up. Right. And we still might see that. I mean, maybe tomorrow we see Domi between Drew and me and there's some shuffling down below. I don't know, but uh, Max has a tendency at times to do too much by himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it comes from a good place. I mean, he's very hungry. He's very driven and determined, but it has to be frustrating. He's miscast with, with Weiss and wheel. I mean, you know, Jordan wheel has some offensive instincts. Um, He's one of those guys to me who's a dominant player in the American hockey league, but he can't play that same role in the NHL. So um, I just think like a lot of people do, I mean, you've got a kid in Max Domi, 72 points last year. This season wasn't as good, but you're looking for offense. I think they're going to spring him loose a little bit tomorrow night and sort of uh, put the puck on his stick to give a bad analogy and, and, and see what happens. I don't know who with. I don't know if it would work with Drouin. I don't know if they'll put Drouin down, but I think we're going to see a lot more of Max. I mean, if if we don't and they end up losing and there's no offense at all, then, then Claude's going to have to answer some pretty tough questions, I think. And uh, in answering questions today, uh, he he said it's not about uh, necessarily about adjustments. It's not about strategy. It's not about X's and O's. Where I think was his uh, was his phrase. It's about the will and determination of the players. So I'm not going to say he threw his players on the bus, but he certainly uh, put some pressure on them or pointed the finger that 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 they need to they need to be fully committed um, to make a change. Is is that how you saw it? It is, and I, I've seen it from him before, and I have no problem with that. Uh, just to get off topic a little bit, there are people who say that uh, they don't like that that he hasn't this year when they've taken way too many, too many men in the ice penalties, that he hasn't taken responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I, I know that, that the situation can change. Like, not every too many men penalty is, is equal, but I think if you're an NHL, you should know when to get on and get off the ice. Uh, but, I, and I don't have a problem with him saying we need more from certain guys because mm-hmm. it's true. That's it's right. true, right? So, um, and 
those guys know that. And it, it, it's interesting, too, to me that just the dynamic of a best of five changes things, right? I mean, oh, for sure. It's, it's crazy. You look at it. Uh, had the Penguins lost last night somehow, they'd be facing an elimination, would have to win three in a row. So there's, a, there's kind of a, a, a neat aspect about that. But uh, that's where they are. I mean, if they lose tomorrow, or they're... They're looking uh, looking at being eliminated maybe maybe on uh, Friday. So it's that's the thing. These guys have to kick it into high gear, and uh, you know he was he was pretty blunt about it. But I, I didn't mind him saying those things. So heading into a game three tomorrow night, just as a final question, what are what are you expecting to see uh, out of this group tomorrow night? Knowing just as you said that the stakes are very high for the outcome of tomorrow's game. I think one thing we'll see that I thought we would see in game two is more discipline. Uh, look, it, it was really strange. I mean, we saw Phil Deneau take three penalties in the first game and then Armia with three in the second game. They're so lucky uh, that they got away with it in game number one. Yeah, they gave up one power play goal, but there were seven Penguins chances, and that that's not going to last forever. I mean, you just can't keep doing that and expect to stay in a game. So I expect more discipline. Uh, I think it's going to be tight checking. I, I think the Penguins maybe found a bit of a way to play the Canadians, a bit of a formula where mm-hmm. they sort of limit them and, and um, not allow them to get on the forecheck. I would expect to see more desperation and uh, a little bit more hunger. I mean, that's that's what Claude is getting at. So uh, it's you wonder too. I mean, it, it looked to me last night. I'm not going to say I thought the Canadians are going to win, but if you're Pittsburgh and you're up one nothing after dominating that much, you think, boy, one shot and we're tied here, and who knows after that. So right. uh, yeah, I think the Penguins kind of feel a little bit better about themselves and maybe can breathe a bit. So I would expect them to have a have a strong effort uh, in game number three. So it, it's it's not going to be easy for Montreal, but I think we, we certainly knew that before the series ever started. <laughs> that is true. Well, yeah. Dan, we thank you so much for taking some time. We know it's very busy uh, right now with all of this hockey happening, but we appreciate you taking some time to chat with us, and uh, we certainly hope that you'll come back again. Um, and I want to make sure that folks are following you on Twitter. Dan's a great follower on Twitter. Make Absolutely. Sh- make sure you're following him at Dan R. TSN. That's Dan Robertson, the voice of the Canadians for TSN 690 in Montreal. Thanks so much, Dan, for being here with us. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. And on that note, we are going to take one quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to head into our second segment where we go around the AHL. We've got some news coming out of the league, uh, making some announcements about next season, including the fate of the All-Star Game, which Laval is set to host uh, in January, as well as some comments from Paul Maurice this week, which really shines a light on the importance of development in AHL and even ECHL hockey. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. 
The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And of course, also be sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, remember, there are two ha- uh, two handles that you want to be sure you're following on Twitter, at the AHL Report. That's the place to go for all of the news and recaps and live game tweeting and so forth during the week. But you also want to follow the Twitter account for this podcast, which is at the press zone. So at the AHL report and at the press zone. Um, Rick, before we get started into this segment, I guess we should just say thank you one more time to Dan for taking some time today. Fantastic interview. That was great. Um, he's he's really got a great perspective uh, and and lots of great insight about the team. We look forward to having him on again soon. So Dan, thank you for taking the time today. So in this segment, we're going to go around the AHL. And uh, first and foremost, I guess we'll start with what's sort of the breaking news of the day. And that is uh, that the AHL announced today that the All-Star Game for for next season, which would be the 2021 AHL All-Star Classic, uh, which, as we all remember, was awarded to Laval for for next year, has been postponed. Uh, it will be moved to 2022. Laval will retain uh, hosting rights, um, but it will and and the dates for 2022 haven't been set yet. But uh, regardless of what shape or form the American Hockey League comes back in next season, uh, an all-star game will not be part of the package. Uh, We'll have to wait uh, until 2022 to see the all-star game happen in Laval. All right. Of course, that comes on the heels of an announcement that uh, newly anointed president and CEO of the AHL, Scott Halson, had to make last week when the league's board of governors met and determined that during their annual meeting, um, at the recommendation, remember we spoke about how the fact uh, the fact that the AHL also has a return to play task force, which is chaired by Dave Andrews, who is enjoying retirement now, but he still has an advisory role. Um, and so the Board of Governors had decided that the anticipated start date for the American Hockey League for next season is now December 4th. Uh, due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And Rick, I think the big thing, and and so that, of course, you know, 
if they're able to start the season on December 4th, they're not going to take off six weeks later for an All-Star game. So that's also part of the impetus for for moving the All-Star game to to the following year. But I think the big thing, Rick, that people need to to keep in mind, because suddenly everybody was just laser focused on that December 4th date. But that doesn't mean that it's set in stone that the AHL is coming back on December 4th. That's just if if the cards fall into place the correct way, if medical uh, if if medical and governmental and legislative things allow and and even financial logistics of the season all fall into place correctly, that the season won't start earlier than December fourth. Yeah, that's kind of a not before uh, date, um, and and that of course is. As you said, if everything goes right, if there's a vaccine, if the vaccine is uh, is effective, if um, all and and sprinkle in a bit of fairy dust, uh, the earliest uh, the AHL is coming back is, is December fourth, and so um, I would uh, that that date is written uh, in very light pencil. Yes, <laughs> um, it's. Um, Remember, the the AHL is very different from the NHL in terms of its revenue model. Uh, the AHL needs fans in the seats yes. uh, to return. So, um, again, uh, it's 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 hopeful uh, that they've set a date, but that's kind of, as I said, the earliest date that they'd be back. And really, I mean, I, my comment on Twitter about this when when that news broke at the end of last week was. Basically, you know, a, a word to the wise of, hey, this is just a target date to start. Um, doubting, we have no idea yet what the return to play for the American League is going to look like. And for all intents and purposes, it could be a very basic, fundamental, literal feeder league for the NHL's season next mm-hmm. year. Um, and because of that, we are seeing ripple effects on how that's affecting guys who typically play in the AHL. And we'll get into that a little bit next segment as we as we continue to see uh, players sign in European leagues or be loaned to European teams um, because the likelihood of AHL coming back full force next season is exceptionally slim. To be continued, I guess we should say. That will be, and and it's one of the things I said as well, is that it will probably, this, the the return of AHL hockey will probably be one of the most fluid stories between now and the end of the calendar year. This is going to be the thing that changes continually. Um, Because as Rick mentioned, there's so much more at stake in addition to the health and safety aspect. Um, It's, actual viability for for teams from the financial perspective uh and so it's it's going to be a consistently changing thing uh right up until whenever they're able to drop the puck on a bit of happier news however uh scott halson also had the uh honor of announcing uh the three awards for excellence and service uh for this year uh starting with the chairman of the Board of Governors and former president and CEO of the AHL, Dave Andrews, who uh, was honored with the Thomas Ebright Award in recognition of career contributions to the AHL. 
in addition to that, Frank Maselli has been selected as the winner of the James C. Hendy Memorial Award. This is given to the outstanding executive in the AHL, uh, and he is the uh, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Spurs Sports and Entertainment, uh, who oversaw the business operations for the San Antonio Rampage. Uh, and then, of last but not least, uh, veteran linesman Peter Fiola named the this year's recipient of the Michael Condon Memorial Award for Outstanding Contributions by an on-ice official. Uh, so three pretty, pretty remarkable people uh, getting some very due rewards there. Speaking of on-ice officials, there's a, there's a great article. Uh, if you have time, head over to uh, theahl.com and read about Dr. Bob. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, we've run into Bob Goodman uh, because he mostly works in um, Hershey, um, Allentown, um, Wilkes-Barre. Um, but uh, he's, he's a... Uh, AHL linesman um, by evening and by day works at the Hershey Medical Center as mm-hmm. an anesthesiologist. Um, it's a great article, and um, and it's it's interesting to to uh, see the backgrounds of some of these people that uh, are so passionate about uh, hockey that they arrange their their, their other career and their life uh, around the game. And that's actually a, kind of a key thing to mention in general about the American Hockey League and and the officials and so forth, there's a lot of people in the AHL who work in the AHL who that isn't their actual full-time gig. That's right. Who have full-time jobs and careers um, outside of the AHL, myself included. I'll raise my hand there. I, you know, I run my own business um, outside of Rocket Sports. So, uh, but, but the officials you see on the ice, Sometimes uh, members of the of the staff, whether it's you know conditioning folks or whether it's uh, you know um, equipment folks, there, there's there are other jobs and occupations happening all over the league, um, which is just a testament to the dedication and time commitment uh, that those people do. So, congratulations to all three of those award winners. The last thing we just wanted to touch on in this segment, Rick, was was if if there is. You know, John Tortorella is pretty good at being a quote-generating machine or a meme and gif-generating machine in his pressers. But if there's someone who's pretty par for the course on having some pretty notable things to say to the press, it would be Paul Maurice. (laughs) He's a great, yeah, he's a great interview. He's a fantastic interview. And he made some comments this week uh, regarding, you know, a player who made an impact in, in the Jets' first game. And, of course, everyone was like, oh, well, this this guy, this guy played a lot of time in the AHL and the ECHL. I mean, and, and suddenly he comes in and he scores a, a postseason goal. And, and Paul Maurice had some really, in a, in a very Paul Maurice fashion, said some things, not only that were a bit humorous about, um, and I'll let you talk about, his 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 comments as far as um, what the veterans thought of this younger player in camp, but also made some very on the head comments about what it takes to become an NHL player, and that it's not always a, a straight line to the top, and that development in the minor leagues is sometimes and a lot of times the most critical parts of developing an NHL player. 
Um, but tell us, uh, Rick, you're a you're also a Jets fan. So tell us a little bit about who this player was uh, that that started this commentary, um, and and a little bit about what Paul had to say. It's Jansen Harkins, and um, I, I mean this this is a player who's who's not without uh, a bit of a skill. Um, he was a second round draft pick in 2015 by the Jets. Um, a 20 goal scorer in in uh, junior hockey in, at Prince George. Um, but, uh, you know, isn't expected to be, um, you know, a, a top six player. He's, he's a hard worker. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's his bread and butter is outworking his, his opponents. And, um, you know, this is the kind of player who comes into a training camp and, um, upsets the veterans because he's out there playing hard. He's out there, uh, hitting people, uh, in training camp. And, um, you know, he's, he's working hard every shift, no matter whether, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, during the training camp or during the season. And he's, he's, uh, fought his way uh, onto the roster of the Winnipeg Jets. But the interesting thing is, you know, Maurice even said he he cut him from camp thinking, I don't think that there's anything else that this that this guy could have done. He did everything he could do, but I know he still needs a little bit more to get there. There's nothing more that this guy could have done. He gave me everything I could have wanted and then some, but I still have to send him down to the AHL. And so he's gone down, he's he's taken his lumps, he's he's spent time in the AHL, he spent a little bit of time in the ECHL. All that time, sure, we talk about this quite often, that it's not a fun ride. It's a roller coaster. These these guys go up, they get sent back down. Sometimes they go to the ECHL, then they get called up to the AHL. Then they maybe get back to the NHL for a couple of games, but they don't stick. They go back down. It's a constant emotional roller coaster. And the key is keeping a positive outlook on it that, okay, it's not personal against me. It's that there are things that I have to improve on and the minor league uh, hockey atmosphere is where I'm going to develop those skills. And look at him now. And and Paul Maurice basically just, it was just like a giant endorsement for AHL and ECHL hockey. And, and that sometimes the path to the NHL winds and curves and goes up and down the mountain of all sorts of different leagues um, that you can't just always get an NHL player fresh out of the packet, open up the the wrapping and he's ready to go. Um, and I just thought, Rick, that um, it was a really great reminder for folks in the NHL what it is that can really happen for a player when they go down to, to play in the AHL. He spent a full five uh, seasons, 275 games in, in the WHL and junior hockey uh, 156 games in the AHL, just 29 games so far in the NHL. Uh, but the game he played um, against Calgary sco- scored a very important goal, his first uh, NHL postseason goal, and uh, was an important contributor for the Jets, who have lost a couple of their their stars. And so it was nice uh, for Paul Maurice to have uh, somebody to bring into the lineup that he knew would uh, give an honest effort. 
On that note, we are going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around, uh, sorry, we're going to go beyond the AHL when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about, we we mentioned a little bit that some players are, uh, additional players are heading over to the European League. So we'll give you an update on, on a couple of those that are notable for our listeners, uh, as well as uh, give you some news coming out of the CHL as well. And of course, we always have a feel-good finale to send you off on your merry way, uh, feeling good and feeling positive. So Don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone here on AHLReport.com and Rocket Sports Media. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And be sure, once again, you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. Now, in this segment, we go beyond the AHL, and uh, we've got a couple of interesting stories for you here. The first, of course... And foremost, of course, we talked about in an earlier segment how because of the uncertainty of the American Hockey League's situation next season, uh, we've we've mentioned in previous episodes even that that there are some players who are already uh, signing uh, with European teams so that they know that they've got a place to play hockey next year. There are players who are being uh, loaned uh, over in the European leagues. Um, 
as well. Uh, the Flyers just uh, just loaned someone there uh, last week. And this week, Rick, it's the Montreal Canadiens who have loaned uh, a player to Kalpa in the KHL. It's Otto Leskinen. Otto Leskinen, who um, had a, a, a pretty good season, uh, his first uh, season in North America, uh, 52 games with the Laval Rocket, uh, 22 points. Um, and even got uh, had a call up and and uh, got into the lineup for five games for the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, but was not uh, part of the uh, the the, the play in um, the the roster that was assembled, um, and so um, the the Canadians and uh, along with uh, Otto and uh, and his agent have decided that. Um, so he gets some playing time. So it isn't such a long gap between March and whenever uh, the Laval Rocket uh, resume uh, that he's going to return to the team uh, that he played with in Finland uh, before coming over. And um, and with an out uh, that uh, he'll be able to come uh, over to training camp when uh, when that time, uh, when, whenever it's worked out that, that there's going to be a return to play for the AHL. Another big name that's also heading over to Europe is uh, the Detroit Red Wings prospect Moritz Seider. Uh, you'll re- you'll recall that he was the surprise first round selection for the Red Wings uh, in Vancouver at the Vancouver draft last year. Uh, in fact, we had uh, some folks with us in with our fans who who won tickets through our promotion and partnership with the NHL uh, to go to the draft who were <laughs> quite visibly uh, they went viral a little bit. Uh, uh, with their uh, reactions to the cider selection. Uh, he is heading over to Germany to pay, play for Adler Mannheim uh, and get some playing time. Just the same kind of thing as Otto Leskinen, uh, wanting to get some playing time in. Uh, Adler Mannheim, of course, will be familiar to Canadians fans uh, who have been following our coverage for quite some time because that means he'll also be playing with former Canadians prospect Marcus Eisenschmid uh, there for the German League in Adler Mannheim. So... Good luck to those guys. We'll be sure to keep uh, an eye on all of the names who are heading over to to Europe right now. Uh, Zach Redmond is actually uh, over playing for Red Bull now. Um, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that continue to happen the, over the course of this month as as guys are going to. In fact, I actually saw our, f- our friend Patrick Williams retweeted someone today that said, uh, guys, if you get an offer from a European league, don't sit around and wait for something bigger and better. Just take it. It's going to be your opportunity to play next year. Uh, and that's some pretty sage advice, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving over to the CHL now, the Canadian Hockey League. Um, Rick, this is kind of a follow-up to a story that we talked about a few weeks ago uh, when there were uh, some players who had come forward with uh, some pretty graphic and disturbing stories about bullying and hazing and harassment that was going on uh, in certain CHL teams uh, in their rookie seasons and and some allegations of forced drug use and and. Uh, all sorts of just horrible things that were outlined. Um, but it seems, uh, you had brought this to my attention, that the CHL has now taken steps to further investigate this, uh, not only the allegations, but to ensure that things like this don't happen in the future. And they pointed a, a three-person 
independent review panel, which I think uh, is very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, This will be uh, chaired and led by a former premier of New Brunswick, uh, Cam Terrio. And um, uh, Terrio said that uh, that he's... he understands that that uh, hockey uh, is a key part of uh, Canadian culture, and it's important uh, for their this panel to to ensure that they investigate how to keep this uh, um, uh, part of the the culture safe uh, for the uh, for the well being of all players, uh, and that it's um, you know free from. As uh, President Dan McKenzie said, uh, free from hazing, abuse, harassment, bullying, all of those those things. So this is a great first step, and uh, uh, the report um, is being. Uh, they've been asked to uh, to have it ready in time for the 2020-21 uh, season. Excellent. And, you know, this is the kind of behavior that you don't want to see in sports at any level, but particularly at the CHL, uh, it's when players are very young, particularly in their rookie season, you're talking about 16 years old, very young, very impressionable, very kind of tender years, uh, and they're they're away from home, staying with billet families and so on and so forth. Um, if, you're, if you're just starting to get familiar with junior hockey, the CHL, of course, is comprised of three junior leagues. That's the WHL, the OHL, and the Q. UMJHL. Uh, and so this is a big initiative for them to take on. And uh, it's it's right for them to to investigate and start to take steps to protect young players. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on the results of, of that independent review. That means we've got nothing left to do this week, but Watch more hockey and cover more hockey. And of course, Mm -hmm. um, here at Rocket Sports Media, we've had full team coverage uh, since exhibition games began last week. uh, And that will continue all this week as well. Um, Of course, um, for the Canadians, game three against Pittsburgh Wednesday night, uh, Rick will have full coverage, uh, including game reports and and game recaps at AllHabs. That's AllHabs.net online, but at AllHabs, you can follow along during the game. Uh, And I will also have uh, coverage at the AHL report. For our Flyers fans, uh, we finally know what time the teams are playing on Thursday. Uh, the Flyers will face the Washington Capitals in their second round robin game at 4 p.m. on Thursday. I'll have full coverage of that game over at the Flyers Report on Twitter. And of course, you can check AHLReport.com afterwards for a full game recap and summary. So be sure you're following along uh, with us on Twitter. It's uh, it's a busy time suddenly in August, which is usually the 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 quietest month for those in the hockey realm. Uh, it's turned into the busiest. So be sure you're following along on all of our accounts uh, to make sure you're not missing a thing. And of course, Rick, if folks want to catch up. Uh, either on back episodes of this podcast or if they want to catch Canadians Connection, which is your Montreal Canadiens-centric podcast hosted by you and Joe Whalen, where's the best place for people to go to find all of our podcast offerings? Well, there is an archive at rocketsportsradio.com, rocketsportsradio.com. You can find uh, The Press Zone, this podcast, uh, all episodes there. You can also find uh, the Canadians Connection podcast there. Uh, Or... 
it might be just easier to uh, check your your favorite podcast app, uh, look up the search for the uh, either Canadians Connection uh, or or uh, the Press Zone. How about both? How about uh, looking up both, uh, subscribing, and then you'll have all of the uh, podcast episodes to choose from uh, to listen to to. Um, to know exactly what's going on. That's right. And we do encourage you to subscribe no matter what podcast platform you prefer. Be sure you to subscribe to to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And of course, I promised before we leave a feel-good finale. Uh, we alluded to this back in the first segment. Uh, the feel-good finale for me this week is, is it, I called it starstruck because even though players play in the NHL, particularly young players when when they're very early in their NHL career, um, they still they still have idols. They still get starstruck. And Carter Hart um, did an interview with uh, Jason over at the Philadelphia Flyers this week, talking about how, yes, he's, you know, it's, it's well known that Carey Price has always been Carter Hart's uh, idol as far as goaltenders. It's who he tries to uh, mimic his game after he looks up to him. He's as he said in this interview, Carey Price has always been my favorite goaltender. He still is my favorite goaltender. Um, and he said, "Of course, we've played each other a couple of times, um, but never have had a chance to meet." Well, the bubble creates different opportunities for players. And so Carter said that uh, last week, one day before practice, they were finishing up. Carey Price was outside the practice facility kind of warming up and stretching. So the two of them had a few minutes to meet for the first time and and chat. And Rick, he said, um, it's probably the highlight of my NHL career so far. So good for Carter Hart. Had a had a special celebrity star moment and, and finally got to meet his childhood goaltending idol. And hopefully more highlights to come. Absolutely. We thank you for joining us again this week. We know it's been an exciting week of hockey and there's plenty more to come. Be sure you're following along on social media and on our website at uh, ahlreport.com for all of the latest, all of the coverage. Don't miss a thing. And uh, we just hope you stay safe out there. Enjoy hockey. And we'll see you back here again next week for another great episode of The Press Zone. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.